Well, welcome everybody. My name is Tom Miller, and if we've never met uh, before, it is a pleasure, a pleasure to meet you, um, and a pleasure to be on this call with you. So this is our empowerment mentoring community that we just started uh, last week. So each week we will we will focus our our time on on how to learn how to live and build a more empowered life uh, for educators, um, especially you know focusing on uh, teachers because uh, our life you know teachers' lives is challenging, overworked and underpaid in most parts, and you know definitely have a lot of challenges that they have to overcome. So. You know, again, so Tom Miller from Leaders Building Leaders, and uh, you're part, you know, this is part of our Empowerment Mentoring Series. And each week we're going to be bringing live uh, lessons and group coaching opportunities to you and to your colleagues. So if you think we do a good job, share, share the link, you know, have, have, you know, someone come in with us. We know everybody's really busy during this time and, you know, I'll always be archiving uh, the lessons and, uh, and, and uh, you'll get them back uh, to you via, via email. So, Today, I want to talk about, because a lot of you had put in your um, applications to be as part of this program, uh, that you had put in that, you know, you're, you know, you're working on goals, you're working towards something. And so, one of the hardest parts <laughs> towards moving forward is getting, getting out of your comfort zone, right? So, getting out of your comfort zone. So, so I would love, and you know, in the chat box, if you haven't had a chance yet, you know, tell us who you are and where you're joining us from, and and maybe what's what's one goal you're working on? What's what's you know something you're working on? And and I did send um, an email that would have come to you at registration. You would have gotten a, a workbook to download. So if you haven't you know downloaded, it's okay. You can just you know follow along or take your own notes if you want. And, uh, but because what's really going to be most important are the gems that come to your head. <clears throat> during this talk not not necessarily the words that come from me but so but so keep so keep awareness of what of what you're thinking through right what what awareness is coming to you and and i've you know put together this you know training for you and um if you want to stop me in the middle or if you weren't sure you know something i heard or said or you want to come back and make a point hit the um you can hit the raise hand button so i'll see it um or you know if you want to come in and and uh and a chime in so so i'm using this powerpoint for the first time like this so bear with me everybody if i uh so, so maybe not always focus on the powerpoint but the powerpoint will help you with your workbook and the answers are at the bottom too so you can always fill that in so if we're ready to go let's buckle up give me a yes in the chat box if you're ready ready to learn ready to ready to grow ready to find out what this comfort zone thing is and how do i how do i start stretching out of it so all right i see it Monette. All right, so today I want to talk about something that we're all familiar with. Just how comfortable is the comfort zone? It might be comfortable, but to be honest, it's a really bad spot. It really is. The comfort zone is far and away the single biggest dream killer of modern day life. I mean, think about kind of where we're in now. Like, <laughs> we've been We've been quarantined for some time that we're starting to get comfortable potentially with being quarantined. And as, as we look at this, you know, the context that I want to place this around is, is about results, right? And as a test to bring everything back to our results. So the question I think we need to continue to ask ourselves is, how's that working for you? Right? Whatever you might be doing or whatever you might be covering, how's it, how's it working for you? It's a great question, isn't it, right? Like, how's that, how's that working for you? <laughs> you just think about any challenge you're trying to go through and you talk about all the issues. So, so how's it working for you? Right? See, we can spin a good story, but that question always cuts right through our story, right, right through the truth of it, our results, because our results don't lie. And Andrew Carnegie said, he said that as I grow older, I pay less attention to what people say and more attention to what they do. Actions lead to results, don't they? I mean, talk is cheap, but getting busy is what really separates the winners from the rest. So results is the name of the game. We all want to be happier. We all want to be healthier and wealthier, don't we? We all want to 
we all want to change results. There's some area of our life that we really want to improve. Now, this is going to be, you know, different for everyone. Could be money, could be relationships, could be health of our physical body, could be spiritual development that we're after. I mean, whatever it might be, I think most people would agree we all have areas of our life that we would really like to get better, don't we? I mean, give me a yes in the chat box if there's an area in your life <laughs> that you would like to get better at. I'm going to put my own yes in here. Yes, sir. <laughs> Please. <clears throat> I know it's an interesting thing, but when many of us look at our results, we tend to see our results as a reflection of our potential. And that seems like a natural thing to do. Right? We tend to see our, our results as a, as, a, as a reflection of our potential. And, and we look at what we're currently achieving, and we accept that, consciously or unconsciously, and th that those results reflect not what, what, what we're currently achieving, but maybe all that we're ever capable of achieving. I mean, after all, we're not stupid, right? If we were capable of achieving more, surely we would already be doing it, wouldn't we? I mean, doesn't that make sense, right? If we're capable of achieving more, we would have already been, been doing it. And so this would appear to be an obvious answer, but you know, the obvious answers are normally the wrong answers. I want you to write that down. The obvious answers are often the wrong answers. And if you think that for a moment, that would appear to make sense because the obvious answers tend to be the answers that most people come up with. And most people, by definition, are getting normal results. They're just getting average, average results. And this is probably not the results that we dream for ourselves, is it? I mean, if that's what you want, give me a, a yes if you want average, a no if you're not looking for average. Put it in the chat box. Yes, I'm okay with average, or no, I'm not. So if we find ourselves slipping through that thinking trap, you know, I think we have to ask ourselves, how is that working for me? I mean, think about yourself for right now. What sort of life would you ideally like? And how many people do you know living like that that are already living that dream? The odds are, you know, the odds are good that we want, we want something more than the average person on the street is getting. Don't we? Right? We don't, don't we you know, typically want more than the, than the person next to us? Earl Nightingale said that most people tend to order their steaks medium and then live their lives the same way. <laughs> I've actually had enough meat over this break. I don't think I can have any more meat. <laughs> I don't want my meat anyway, Earl Nightingale. So John, John Maxwell quotes a story in his book, The 15 Laws of Growth, which will be one of the books that we'll be you know, talking through during these calls on Friday. And I can't remember exactly the whole, the whole story, but it's something like, like a guy goes to a fortune teller and he asks, he asks for his fortune to be told. And then he says, <laughs> the fortune teller says, you'll be poor and miserable until you're 45. And so he says, yeah, well, and then what happens? He goes, oh, and then you'll get used to it, <laughs> right? Oh, I mean, oh my goodness, what a, what a horribly depressing thought when it's presented like that. But when it creeps up on you over years, it doesn't seem so strange. Like gradually we just accept meteorocity and then switch our dreams and hopes onto our children. And it's too late for us, right? I mean, there's, you know, I got my five-year-old or my seven-year-old son, Matthew, you know, I'm like, Maybe you, you know, you could be that pro athlete that I couldn't be, right? Or, you know, my daughter, Devin, you know, graduate college without any debt, like just do more than I did. <laughs> I mean, hasn't, hasn't your mother maybe said to you at one point in your life, you're young, you got the rest of your life ahead of you. And honestly, who doesn't, right? Every single one of us on this call, whether you're listening live or on the archives, you still have the rest of your life ahead of you. It's never, it's never too late, right? It's never too late to decide that we're not settling, that it's time, that it's time for a growth spurt, right? If we settle for our comfort zone, it means that we are today all that we're ever going to be. 
I was listening to uh, a health uh, podcast a little while ago. And on the podcast, the guy was talking about some research related to, to poisons in our food. And he said that small amounts of poisons are sometimes more dangerous than large amounts because the body can really pick up on large amounts, right, and process them, right? It immediately, you know, throws it up or, you know, you know, whatever. But small amounts sneak under the radar. They go unnoticed, right? And building up over time, causing a bigger problem. Like there's the example about, you know, a, a boiling a frog, right? So if you pick up a frog and drop him in hot water, he's going to jump right out, right? He's a you know, smart frog, right? You drop anybody in water, hope it doesn't jump out. But if you put him in cold water and then heat it up slowly until it gradually changes, so that over time, the same big change is experienced, but if it's gradual, the frog accepts it and he, he doesn't move. Now, I mean, I've never tried this and nor, you know, would I, but, <laughs> but the water can be heated up so slowly to, uh, to the frog where it actually accepts its death. I mean, how often do we do this in our own lives? I mean, think about the things that we put up with because they've gradually grown to be like that. And we've gotten used to them. They're familiar to us. And we've become comfortable in our discomfort. Whether it's relationships, finances, health, all kinds of dreams gradually erode until there's practically nothing left. I mean, again, here's that question. How's that working for us? How's that working for us? If we started fresh, like, you know, and, like if, if we never tolerate, right? We make, we make big things out of little things, but have grown used to it, like we barely notice it now. And, and this applies to all areas of our lives, right? To a lot of people, I mean, most people. And when we think about our results in these different key areas of life, it's a sad fact that the majority of people are going the wrong way and they always have. They take their lead from those around them. They take comfort in being part of the crowd, copying their actions and seeking their opinions and following their advice and ultimately, therefore, getting pretty much the same results as everybody else. Again, back to Earl uh, Nightingale, he had said that this is a self-defeating cycle of the poor, asking people who are getting the same results as us, like what they think we should do. I mean, I always say if, if you're going to ask someone what they think, like make sure they do think, right? Make sure they got better results than what you got. Give me a yes or an amen in the box if you, if you agree. If you're going to ask someone for, for advice or support or mentoring, that they need to have better results than you have in that area. <laughs> I mean, when we stop and think about it, it doesn't make sense, right? You know, it makes sense to seek the opinion of someone who is, you know, demonstrate by the results about what they actually know they're talking about. But who do we end up asking, right? We, you know, there's ancient wisdom there. By their fruits, you'll know them. And if someone's not getting the results that we want, why on earth would we ask their advice or pay any attention to their opinion? They're going to lead us in the same bad direction that they're currently going. <laughs> Slowly over a, a waterfall. I did this for years. And many, some of you have too on this call, asking someone what you think they should do in a situation where they weren't any more successful than you were. It doesn't make sense. But see, I did it because their answers were comfortable to me. It was what I wanted to hear. I was looking for affirmation, not information. It's very convenient too. It's convenient, it's comfortable. It's familiar to ask the people around us for help when we need it. Because the people, right, the things and the circumstances that we are surrounded by are all part of our comfort zone. We know where we are here, right? We know exactly where we are. We don't need to think too much. <laughs> this is this destination disease. We just kind of hover around in this, in this comfort zone. Now, <clears throat> unfortunately, though, settling for the comfort zone means, now listen to this, because this is really depressing. It means that we are today all that we're ever going to be. We are today that we're ever going to get to. Now, I don't know about you, 
<clears throat> but I find this quite a disturbing thought. When we stop stretching, stop reaching, stop seeking, and stop risking, we stop growing. And if we're not growing, then we're shrinking. We're ultimately dying. doesn't seem to matter what level you're at. You could be earning 50000 a year or 50000 a month. Like, we all get stuck sometimes, right? But do we move on or do we languish there? What's been your history? You see, in our comfort zone, almost all of our actions are driven by habit. And habits are actions that express themselves without any conscious awareness. When we're acting habitually, our conscious mind is free to think of something else. Here's a perfect example. Now, many of us haven't done this lately, <laughs> but... When you're driving a car and you're going down the road and you're 70 miles an hour and like you're steering with your knees, maybe while you're dialing your mobile phone or changing the station or you're thinking about what you're going to say when you get through or, or, you know, or where you're going or what the traffic or you're trying to find the best road, whatever it is, like who's driving the car? <laughs> you know, you are, but you're driving a car, just your actions that you've delegated through years and years of habits. Habits are extremely useful, but they're, they're non-adaptive. And, and in a recent article I read, you know, the author put it beautifully when he said that our habits have an IQ of zero. <laughs> they have no intelligence. That's probably why, you know, some of you may know on this call, I was, a, I was a habitual gambler. I was a gambling addict for over a decade. And that makes sense. An IQ of zero. That made, yeah, no intelligence, right, to continue to do that. But the habits, they're just doing what you're programmed to do. They're learned behaviors and routines. Now, as I said, they're extremely useful, but habitual behaviors perform as they were set up to perform, not necessarily in a way that best suits the current situation. Studies place estimates in the amount of our daily actions that are habitual, about 80 to 90% of your day is habitual. Almost everything that you do, we don't think about. We just do it, right? If you're still with me, give me a yeah. Like, yeah, I get that. Like, we just, we're just almost on autopilot almost all the time. Almost everything we do, we're on autopilot. Habits are one of the two key things that keep us pinned in our comfort zone. They keep us doing the same things, and so they keep us getting the same things. But we're comfortable living by habit because it means that we don't have to think. And thinking is hard work. We don't need to, to think to make too many new decisions in the comfort zone. We don't really perceive any real risks, right? We're not, we're not taking any risk. It, it just doesn't appeal to us. Let me know if you've heard this quote before. <laughs> Most people tiptoe through life hoping to make it safely to death. Most people tiptoe through life, hoping to make it safely to death. But we can't get away from risk, right? There's risks to everything, especially to the comfort zone. JFK said that there's risks and costs to a plan of action, but they're far less than a long-range list and cost of comfortable inaction. <laughs> I love that. There's risks and costs to a plan of action, but they are far less than the long-range risks and costs of comfortable inaction. I mean, a lot of you know, you know that I work with charter schools, and, and in uh, particular, I say this all the time, that you, know, you can always trace the closing or the failing of a school back to the action or non-action of, of the leadership, right? Of the board, of the governing board, right? Because not acting is also acting. <laughs> but just like the man in the boat, right? Casually watching the passing scenery as he floats down like over the waterfall, like rowing upstream is hard work. Floating downstream is comfortable. And maybe there are more risks to the comfort zone than meet the eye. I mean, you know, maybe the comfort zone might, might be comfortable, but it's a, it's a bad spot. It's a really bad spot. 
in some aspect of our life, every one of us is floating down our own stream. So the question is, when are, when are we going to put our oars in the water, right? And start setting course to where we actually want to go. Where's your boat currently floating downstream? What scenery are you looking at? You might not know where you're floating to, but we do know this. Water flows in one direction, and it's not up. So if you're coasting, you're coasting downwards. And if things aren't good now, they're not going to get better by accident. <laughs> I heard someone once say that you know if you're on the right road because it's uphill, right? Everything worthwhile is uphill, as my mentor John Maxwell says. Everything worthwhile is uphill. You can't get uphill with downhill habits. Many of us, I mean, we're just like that man in the boat, except even worse than enjoying the passing scenery, a good portion of us are busily pointing out the weeds and complaining about the other boats, charging on an opposite direction, right? You know, the people on a mission that are trying not to go over the waterfall, we're, we're judging them, we're uh, complaining about them, as we're still drifting towards the waterfall, by the way, <laughs> but complaining all the way to anybody who will listen, right? It's the law of attraction. We'll find people who, who want to, comfortably drift down the stream in our misery. Do you know anybody like that? Now, many of you have heard of, um, of Abraham Maslow and his a famous hierarchy of needs. Well, he, he came to the conclusion that we all have infinite potential. And that means that, we, that from where we are today, wherever that may be, but from where we are today, we can keep growing in any direction that we want to grow. And that we can keep growing for the rest of our lives. And every day we can become more than we were yesterday through, right, through, as Thomas Troward said, in an orderly sequence of growth. If you've been in any of our programs or any of our calls before, I'll, I will scream to the rooftops 1% a week. Just try to get 1%, just a little bit better tomorrow than I was today. And I love that expression, an orderly sequence of growth. It's not by magic. It's not by luck. It's not overnight, but through an orderly sequence of growth. Now, whether you accept that we all have infinite potential or not, it's not really important right now. But the more that we think about these things, the more that we come to the conclusion that it's not what we can do that's important, it's what we will do. What we can do is hypothetical. What we will do is what's important. Whatever your potential is, whatever our potential, whatever my potential is, we only use a fraction of it. And there's plenty more for us to cultivate. But the bottom line is this, in order to grow, we've got to get out of our comfort zone because growth occurs outside of the comfort zone, not inside of it. You grow weeds in your comfort zone, that's it. <laughs> it's weathering the discomfort that's responsible for that growth. You've heard the expression about strong timber does not grow easy. Right? Calm seas never made a great sailor. Well, it's, you know, battling against and overcoming something that leads to growth and growth is good so struggle confusion pain discomfort fear like all these there's, these are all signs that we're growing and they're all good signs and we should welcome them not a don't don't avoid them in fact if you want to grow quickly you should actively seek them out get uncomfortable with being uncomfortable on a regular basis it sounds strange doesn't it but it's it's exactly what we need to do what have you done today that's unfamiliar, inconvenient, or uncomfortable? You know, have a, have a weekly failing meeting with yourself. What did I fail at this week? Like, what, you know, what did I try that was outside of my, of my realm? So one of the two things that keeps us stuck in a comfort zone is, is you know, habit. So we've got to get in the habit of getting out of a habit. But the second key thing that keeps us stuck is more insidious, and that's belief. That's belief. Beliefs and habits, beliefs and habits keep us penned up in status quo. 
both though only really exist in one place in a place that's within our control and that's inside of our minds i mean i think one prime example was when i was a you know when i was deep in gambling addiction <clears throat> i tell a story about how i never imagined myself a day without gambling i didn't i couldn't i mean it's even crazy to think about like I was a teacher. I had a second job. I ran a painting company while being a full-time teacher. And every day I gambled and I continued to gamble and lose all of my money, not just from what I was earning as a teacher, but also what I was earning with my second job. And I did it over and over and over again because I never imagined my life without it. Or, you know, somebody recently, I was, I was coaching somebody and they were telling me about their, about their dream to have a house, you know, on the water. And the only problem is they said is that they did, you know, didn't have the money, but, but they added that they were committed uh, to getting to it. And, and so, you know, so I asked him, how are you going to get the money? And she said, well, I don't know. I've, I tried everything. And so as we went to explore the word, everything, it really just meant a couple of things that they you know, had explained that they couldn't get more money in their current job. And so I just asked the person, is that, is that statement a fact or is it truth? Because facts can change, right? Facts can change. Or is that something that she just believed to be true? And then they had agreed that she had a belief. I said, well, okay, well, that's, that's, that's just a belief. And then I asked her what her thoughts were on, you know, setting up maybe other ways to earn money, you know, kind of like I did when I was feeding my gambling habit, right? <laughs> she explained that, you know, you don't, uh, well, you know, I only have a couple hours a week of spare time and I couldn't do it. So again, we went back. Is that fact, right? Is that, you know, belief or is it your truth? And they started to get angry with me. And they, you know, we all have a story, right? We all have a story and that's, that stories are, those stories are convincing and that's part of the illusion. So we went on and I just said, well, listen, there's people doing what you're doing, earning twice as much money. And she agreed. I said, so why do you think that is? She said that they were much more intelligent than she was. And I asked her again to consider, again, was that, was that a belief? Now she was really getting unsettled and, and actually irritated by my response. And she said, well, of course, that, that was a belief because it was true. So most people have difficulty distinguishing what they believe with actual reality. Now, you know, I suggested that you know, people in their field who are earning more money may not necessarily be more intelligent, but that maybe they're providing more service, right? Maybe through some specialized knowledge, you know, becoming indispensable, cultivating key relationships, you know, focusing on key result areas, you know. Doing what she's doing, there's other people making more money. So I had, you know, I mentioned about what about a higher level of, you know, leadership in your organization? And they said, well, I don't, I don't do well dealing with people. I'm not a people person. And I looked at her and she said, uh, I know, I know that's, that's just a belief, right? In fact, most people, when I coach them, like, if I don't hear from them in a while, I'll say, hey, I haven't heard from you. Why are you okay? They're like, oh, well, every time I have a problem, I just ask myself, what would Tom say to me, right? What would, what would Tom ask me to do? So we then spent some time evaluating each of these beliefs to see if they actually held water, what they were actually truth. You see, like habits are, you know, beliefs are stored in our subconscious mind. And, th and this means that by definition, they're below your level of consciousness. If you've been in our coaching for leaders program, like we really dive into that about, you know, how to bring the unconscious conscious. But what this means is that we're not necessarily aware of what we believe until we or a coach questions our beliefs. See, questions are a great way of digging into the subconscious mind to find out what we really believe. And that's why I, I think our coaching for leaders program is you know, by far the most powerful 
you know, program. And maybe if you're, if you're a coach or anything, you know, put a yes in the box because it's, it's to be a coach. I mean, you really help, help, you know, people unlock, unlock their full potential by helping them be more aware of their self-limiting beliefs. So our belief system, everybody's belief system, their individual belief system is based upon our evaluation of something. And, and, and the more we reevaluate our beliefs, the more likely they are to change. It's beliefs that hold us back from moving in a direction that we would like to go. And this, these are called self-limiting beliefs or unhealthy beliefs. Uh, Dr. Ellis, uh, Dr. Albert Ellis's work on rational emotional behavioral therapy, it's really useful in understanding about the nature of beliefs, the healthy and the unhealthy beliefs. So we'll continue to talk about uh, beliefs, not just in this call, but pretty much every week. But for now, it's just useful to, to consider their role with regards to the comfort zone. And like the example I just gave about, you know, the person I was coaching, a, a big part of our problem is that in assuming that our beliefs reflect in a single reality, rather than seeing them just as just, it's just a result of the learning process. It's just what we've experienced. So here's a good example of how comically wrong your learned beliefs could be, right? Did you know that when a, the first thing that a duck sees when it comes out of its egg, it just considers its, its mother. It could be a dog or a cat or a human, whatever it sees first is mom. Now, this process serves the duck well, you know, 99.99% of the time. But, you, you know, you can see that there's limitations in this process, right? It's called, it's called imprinting. And, a process that leads to an unshakable belief in that, that poor that poor little duck now if that duck stopped and reflected and asked himself how's this working for me like he may conclude that he's he's happy with the results so why so why change the belief our beliefs are slightly more complicated in their formation but they're just as fallible and they can be just as comical like you see our our beliefs are the result of a learning process, not necessarily a reflection of a reality. And it's the beliefs that we hold that tend to keep us conveniently tucked in our comfort zone. And we can't examine everything we believe, and there's really no need to do that, but what, what we do need to examine are the certain beliefs that are stopping us from moving forward your goals, right? As you guys put your goals in there, you, you told me about what your goals are. For example, if I want to be a stand-up comic, but I believe that I'm too shy or an introvert and can't do public speaking, that particular belief is probably going to stand in my way more than anything else. So if I'm serious about, you know, being a comic, I'm not really funny either, so that doesn't happen. But then sensibly, that's probably the first thing I need to examine and ask myself, how's it working for me? You know, I... You know, I have a speech impediment and I, you know, sometimes I have a really bad uh, stutter. And there's been many times in my life where I've not stepped forward to either ask a question of a mentor, right, or to stand up in front or to volunteer to speak or to go because my belief is if I stutter, I'm going to be looked at as not valuable, right, not smart. scared. I mean, whatever it is, you know, there's lots of, there's lots of beliefs, right? So, but that's, it's not logical, right? I have to ask myself, is this logical? Like, is it logical? Like John Maxwell is five feet away from me. Is that logical that I don't ask him questions? I'm here for him. Like we're in Paraguay. Like I'm here for him. Like I paid to come here to see him. He's sitting next to me. I, my head started to, you know, spin and be like, oh, well, you don't want to bother the man. So many people bother him. They're always taking a picture with him. I went to Paraguay to help him in his cause. <laughs> I'm sitting five feet away from him. And I'm, tell, I'm, I'm having a conversation with myself about how it would be inappropriate for me to, to turn to the side and, and say, hey, John, I really appreciate everything that you've you know, done. I have a question for you, right? So I had to ask myself, is it logical? Is it based upon reality? Is it helping me? And if not, I had to let it go. 
And I did. Yes. If you're wondering, I did. I, I turned around and I just, and I told him, I told him what I wanted to tell him for a long time personally about how he helped me take, take some really important steps with my relationship with God. It was him. And he just smiled. And he said, God works in mysterious ways, doesn't he? But my self-limiting belief, I, I had that opportunity probably a dozen other times. But because of his self-limiting belief about how I would look if I stuttered when I said his name, I didn't do it. You see, there's a process to change. It's just like that process of acquiring beliefs in the first place. It takes decision. It takes commitment. It takes a goal or reason to change. It takes an understanding of the obstacles that will be faced in that way. A decision, a commitment, a goal, an understanding, a strategy, right? persistence, a shift in attitude. There is a system to successful change. So whatever you're working towards or working on right now, take a screenshot. It's right there. And we'll continue to work on these each week. Right? We've got some special programs, too, if you want to hop into those. But that's not what this call is about. It's, it's more difficult than it sounds, right? And, and we found that people generally need some good information or a good coach to help them get through this process or some, some you know, sort of program. And a third-party perspective, it really helps, right? So, I mean, how many times have you looked at someone else's life and seen all the problems or things that they needed to change? I mean, it's so obvious to someone else, right? Because when you're standing in the frame, it's hard to see the picture, right? It's hard to see. It's much more difficult to see in ourselves because much of what we do is already habitual. It's unconscious. It's below our level of conscious. So someone looking in can more easily identify those things that are holding us back. And it's not just in regards to our life that a good coach can help fast track our success. I mean, for me, when I joined Gamblers Anonymous, right? Cause that, you know, I went to a therapist at first and he wasn't really sure if he could help me. Right. But when I went to Gamblers Anonymous and surrounded myself with other people, other people that had gone through or were working through the same challenges, you know, they could easily see the bad habits because they had them in themselves and they could easily help my words and my belief systems and start moving me into a different direction. And not that this is a, a call about how to not be a gambler anymore, but it's certainly a call about getting out of your comfort zone. And I was comfortable losing my, I was, com this is crazy to even think about. I was comfortable losing more money than I earned per year. Think on that. <laughs> but amazingly, those first 90 days of being in a, a consistent program, right? It was a decision, a commitment. Overcame obstacles, but I had support and coaches. It took me all the way through persistence and attitude shift. Those 90 days of uphill thinking through a system and a, a process and program, they changed the habits of over 10 years of bad behavior. 10 years of habits of gambling changed. That was February 6th or February 12th of 2006. We're talking. It's over 14 years now, those first 90 days, right? It's a shift. So the formation of beliefs is part of our learning process, right? So prior, I only believed that I would be a bad gambler. <laughs> and then I had to shift my beliefs that, oh, I could live a pretty good life without gambling, right? <laughs> Most of you probably dropped off the call already here. Right? You're probably like, this guy's crazy. Why am I listening? <laughs> and thanks for hanging in if you are still with me. So we're pretty much right a product of our environment we've learned to fit in with our environment so just think of language we learn the language or languages that are going on around us and they fit into our environment so if you put a child in an english speaking home what the, you know they're going to learn the english language but put the same child in a german speaking home what language will they learn they soak it up right i mean 
you know, put that same child in a wealthy home, the habits and beliefs that they will likely acquire are just different. They soak it up. You know, and this is a common statistic that nearly all welfare, uh, welfare recipients are second, third, and fourth generations. Well, I mean, a big part of it is the environment that they grow up in. I was just recently watching um, uh, uh, Michael Jordan's uh, Last Dance, and 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 it was uh, Jordan's Jordan's brother, and he said, like, you know, he said we grew up really poor, but we didn't know we were, <laughs> right? They all go in the same places, they read the same things, they talk to the same people, they do the same things. It's the most natural thing in the world for someone growing up in an environment to not just fit right in. And it's a part of the process of of fitting in is the accumulation of uh, beliefs. It's like that duck, like going through that learning process and all this information is, it's programmed into our subconscious minds. Now we may not have been responsible for the creation of our paradigm, right? Our subconscious mind is our, it's our paradigm and we, you may not have created it, but understand this right now, up until now, and this is maybe the most important thing that I'm gonna say, you weren't responsible for acquiring it, but you are now responsible to change it. You weren't responsible for acquiring those beliefs, but you are 100% responsible to change it. If you desire something else. If you don't, that's your choice. That's your decision. So if you want to make something different to what we've been getting at, right, then it's your responsibility to change your paradigm. And no one's gonna do that for us, right? No one's gonna do that, for, no one did it for me. I had to do it for myself. I had support, I had a system, and I had a process. But if I was going to change it, I need to fully accept responsibility for changing my paradigm. Now I said what we believe is the result of a learning process. And so we can learn new beliefs through a similar process. So some of you, you know, are probably thinking like, why would I want to change what I believe? But because we tend to assume that what we believe is a reflection of reality, but it really isn't, right? It's the result of a learning process and the creator of our reality. And there's such an enormous difference between the two. I mean, I remember, <laughs> you know, uh, before COVID, right, before the quarantine, I was doing a seminar where, you know, someone in the front row, they, they just fell asleep, mouth open, leaning over, just dribbling in the aisle, like, you know, the whole thing. And, and there's a difference observing that event and like interpreting that event and evaluating that event and making a, a personalized conclusion to that observation. Now, I mean, so, you know, what do I mean by it? Well, they may have been tired, but if I concluded that the only reason that they fell asleep is because I'm a poor speaker, and I'm going well beyond the available information, if it was an emotional response, that's, that holds even more danger for me because the beliefs are formed through repetition and emotion, and the more emotion, the more powerful the belief, the more powerful it holds over us. I mean, your results are your results, but they're not who you are. It's a result. It might not have been the result that you wanted, right, for that talk or whatever it might be, whatever you're trying to do, but it was a result and you're going to learn from it. So we all believe millions of things that we're not necessarily consciously aware of. And these things can stop us from moving in any direction that we want to go, right? So someone falls asleep and they might be the only person in the audience, you know, passes out during your thing. You might say, oh, I'm just never going to do that again. But the question is, how many times have we gone beyond the available information, right? How many times have we made incorrect assumptions and allowed those assumptions to drive our next step? I'm no good at math, right? Money makes money. True leaders are born that way. I can never be good at sales. I don't have the gift of God. All men are, I mean, you just, you know, fill in the blank. There's so many assumptions that we put on. We put them on ourselves. We're our own worst enemy. And the startling thing is that beliefs then appear to be self-evident because as we adopt those beliefs, they become truth for us. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. 
Experiences can be incredibly useful for learning. If we reflect, if we look for insight and learn and grow, incorporate our growth into our next experience, and I really think that we should do this, whether we see someone fall asleep or not, right? Every time you do something, you reflect, you look for insight, you learn, you unlearn, and you grow. Right? And we incorporate that growth into our next experience. Habits have such a key role in our life, and the beliefs have a powerful role in our lives. So affecting what we notice in the first place and how we interpret what we notice, what we expect, what we do, and then how we explain to ourselves the results of what we do. And then as sort of a self-preservation you know, mechanism or confirmation bias, it tends to ignore everything that doesn't support the belief and highlight everything that reinforces it, thereby practically guaranteeing its existence from then on. So if our beliefs and habits are responsible to such extent for the results that we get in life, then surely it makes sense to cultivate habits that are going to get us in the direction that we want to go and adopt the beliefs that enable us to believe that we are going to get there. Right? Tell me I'm right. Am I right here? Give me, I think you're right, Tom, <laughs> in, the, in the chat box. I know attitude shift is, is hard, but you've done it before, right? And I think that's a really important part of this talk is that you've all overcome something. You have to bring your brain back to what you overcame and what were the steps because then you can tell your brain that I've done it before and I'll do it again. If the results we get in our lives are consistent with our comfort zone and if we don't like the results that we're getting, then it's time for a new comfort zone, right? Just create a new one, a higher one, right? And here's a simple formula for success. Get outside of your comfort zone and stay there until you get comfortable again. And then repeat. I'll say it again, right? So take a step outside your comfort zone and stay there until you start feeling comfortable again. And once you do, repeat it. <laughs> and keep on repeating and keep on growing into a bigger and better more capable and more productive you. And this never stops, right? We're all educators. I think, you know, looking at this, we're all educators on this call. There's no finish line. It's not about how fast I can achieve the goal. It's how far can I go, right? Or how far can I grow? And just a final thought, like, what is the secret of happiness? And John, John Maxwell summed it up as growth. Earl Nightingale said that the, the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. And I think that's growth. Margaret Thatcher said that when you look back at the days that you've been really happy, they're not the days where you sit in front of the TV. They're the days when you had everything to do and you did it. So the comfort zone may appear comfortable in the short term, but the question you're going to ask yourselves, everybody, is how's that working for me? How's that working for me? Whoa. All right, everybody, I'm coming back. So what are we, what are your thoughts? We got any questions or, or thoughts or anything that resonate with you? What's your, what's your first step going to be? Like you guys all wrote your goals down before. What is it that you want to work towards? Monette, I know you want to either open a charter school or take over a charter school, right? You know, Bud, you've been pouring into people for, for so many years. I mean, you know, what is it that you want to work for? So Monette says changing my beliefs. Yeah. So what's that first step to changing your belief? And you can unmute yourself if you want. Yeah, awareness. Yeah. Yeah. It's about finding someone or something that has, you know, done it, being aware of those, you know, beliefs. And I'll, I mean, I'll never forget sitting next to John Maxwell. I mean, it was crazy that I sat there and um, wasn't got, he was right here. I could touch him. And I was terrified to turn because I didn't want to stutter in his face. Right. Or I do want to ask a stupid question. And then I was like, I just flew to Paraguay for him on my dime. <laughs> not that he owed me, but he's not going to judge me, right? He's not going to judge me. So awesome. Well, cool. 
Well, I'm well, hoping. This uh, lesson was. Oh, yeah, go, bud. Yeah, please. Uh, I'm hoping that I can build my practice, my little company, Principles for Principles, back into a service organization that's going to be helpful to people through coaching and mentoring and establish uh, that process so that I can do that. I'm kind of stuck right yeah. now. So that's, that's so the first way to get. Yeah. And the first way to get unstuck is to do what? Take a risk, get out of your comfort zone. Just take a step, take a step. You've already got the principles for principles written. I've seen them. I've, 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 I've heard you teach on them. Yeah. They're yeah. really good. Everybody. Wouldn't it be great if we had Bud on one of these? I think, I think we're going to have to get you on one of these talks and you're going to have to share one of the principles. Could you do that for us? I'd love Could to you do that. Yes, sir. There you go. Well, there's a first step, everybody. All right. We just pulled Bud out. Okay. I love it. So, and then I saw Yvonne said, having courageous conversations about students. Yeah. So what would that look like? Courageous conversations about students. I think that's a key piece. You know, you just have to, you just have to picture it and go for it. I think any conversation would be courageous, right? I just did a talk uh, just, you know, prior to this with a school and, and we were talking about communication principles and we've all had difficult conversations and we've all stood up for things. So we've done it in the past. It's just a matter of getting over the emotion, right? All, and really what it is, it's the fear of criticism. It's the fear of blame. I mean, that's why we don't do it. Like we're just afraid to put ourselves out there for what? We've all been criticized, right? But someone once told me that if you're not getting criticized and you're not failing, I guess, I guess you're just not trying. <laughs> so I guess I'd rather be criticized to death as long as it's within my integrity and my character and my ethics than, um, than to not try and never be criticized, right? Never be criticized. So awesome. All right. Well, you guys have been great. Thanks for hanging in there with me. Uh, you know, let me know what, you know, you liked about it. If you think that this is a good spot for, you know, teachers and other, other educators or anybody, doesn't matter who they are, would uh, benefit from uh, spending, you know, an hour a week with us to, to just really help them live a more empowered life, then invite them, you know, bring them in. And if you're curious about some of the other things we do, you know, reach out. And if you really want to help get out of that comfort zone, we got some We've got a strategy for you, so, and uh, be happy to talk to you about it. So, thanks again, everybody. Have a wonderful, intentional Friday, and uh, looking forward to hearing about your steps outside of your comfort zone when we hop back in next Friday. Bye-bye.